Well, greetings, Centerpoint Church family. I'm so glad that we're able to be together for church today. And uh, I'm so glad I get to make a visit uh, to your place for a change. So uh, this is the third week of a series called Zeal. But before I get into the message, I just want to make sure that we're on the same page about a couple of things. The, the first is that next week, we're celebrating communion together as a whole church. And you know what? It's going to be very different, isn't it? Because you're going to be doing it in your living room, family room. I would suggest maybe not in the bedroom, but uh, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to get some communion elements and just get some bread. You could go old school to be a rustic loaf. That works. You know, you could break it Jesus style. Or if you want, you can make a, a visit to the grocery store. Get some o oyster crackers if you want it to kind of feel a little bit familiar like at Centerpoint. But get some, uh, some bread. Get some juice, some grape juice. Or, hey, if you, if you don't have a problem with things, get some red wine. It's okay. Uh, yes, I just said that. I'm sorry. But you know what? <laughs> It's communion next weekend. That's the point. That's the point. Bring it back. Uh, it's communion next weekend. And I want us to be ready in each of our homes to be ready to celebrate communion. And so uh, make sure you're ready to do that. Um, I also wanted to just say thanks to everybody for continuing to be generous and give uh, even in this time. I know that for some of us, uh, we have been hit in such a way that it's difficult to, but others of us haven't. And so especially if that's you, Thank you so much for stepping up your generosity, uh, and you do that at mycentercoin.tv and give. It is really crucial at this time, so thanks in advance. All right, well, uh, the title of my message today is How to Handle It, and the reason why I'm bringing a message titled How to Handle It is because all of a sudden, times are hard. I mean, they really are. Times are hard for so many of us, and in lots of different ways. Times are, are hard. And, you know, each of us are doing what we can to make the best of it, you know. Some of us are making the best of it by, you know, making cookies every day, three times every day. <laughs> Others of us are making the best of it by launching an online exercise class. See how that works, right? <laughs> but, you know, the truth is, it's just a tough season. And I want to share with you uh, how to handle it. And so I'm going to share in this message four key actions that you can take that will help you to handle it this time that we're going through together. So I want you to just take a moment right now and with somebody in your kitchen or your living room, just share the title of my message and just say, I'm learning how to handle it. Just go ahead and say that right now. <laughs> you know, uh, Probably a lot of us have seen that, uh, that meme that has been going around in lots of different ways where it starts by just saying, actual footage of me, right? And then there's a funny picture. Well, I just wanted to share something. Uh, here's actual footage of what life feels like for a lot of us right now. Right? Yeah, I know. You got to lighten up a little. I mean, it's just so hard that you have to laugh, right? I mean, for some of us, we're looking at that and going, no, that wasn't even close. I mean, the pile would have been, need to have been a lot bigger, right? I mean, this is the truth, isn't it? It's just a, a difficult time. And it's time to get into the scriptures. Any time's the right time, but especially when things are hard. And so this is what I read in Romans uh, chapter 12, 
verse 11 and 12. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I want us to read that all together out loud. Yes, right there in your family room, right in, you, yes, you in the recliner, yes, you still in bed. I want you to read the word of God out loud. Ready? From the beginning, go. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. The heart of God is coming to you and me and saying, don't be lacking in zeal. And there's no escape clause that says, except for when the coronavirus hits, right? It just doesn't even say anything like that. And if you understand the context of the New Testament, you understand it's, it's given to believers who are facing persecution and oppression and difficulties of all kinds. And so we're not off the hook there. It's like God is saying to us, yeah, even now, even in this moment, don't be lacking in zeal. Just don't let that happen to you. Don't be lacking in zeal. Zeal is that fervent expression, that passion and enthusiasm in pursuit of an objective or a cause. And, and the cause that we hold dear is the cause of Jesus Christ and his goodness and love. And God is saying, don't lack zeal. Don't lack that zeal that's carried you thus far. Don't lack that zeal. And then the next verse said something that we needed to hear. It said, be joyful in hope and patient in affliction. And here we are in a moment where there's something of a deal of affliction that we are wrestling with. And even in this moment, uh, it's important for you and I uh, to not be lacking in zeal. So how do we handle it? How do I handle it when I'm living through a moment that feels like affliction of one kind or another, pressure, difficulty, challenge, how do I handle it? Well, the first thing that I do is I let myself lament. I let myself lament. And maybe that wouldn't be what you'd expect to hear in a message in a series called Zeal, but you've got to hear me on this. It is important for us to let ourselves lament. And part of the reason we need to do this is because it's full in the scriptures, this model, this example, this way of living. And so I want you to just think about it for a second. In the scriptures, in the Bible, you find uh, so many instances of lamenting. Like for example, there's a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations. And in fact, I want you to turn there right now to Lamentations chapter three. And as you're turn turning to Lamentations chapter three, think about the big picture some more. I mean, you've got Jeremiah, with a thick prophetic book of the Old Testament, and he's called the weeping prophet because so much of what he wrote was heart-wrenching and full of lament and challenge and difficulty. We, we've got the book of Job where 36 chapters in a row, it's nothing but lament. And then you've got Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, weeping, lamenting. You know, so, so the Bible has always shown us all along that a real and vibrant and healthy life of faith in God includes lament. And so how do I handle it? I let myself lament. I want you to just say this with me. I let myself lament. Say it. Yeah, I got to do that. That's part of a, a real life of faith. Now, hope, hopefully you made it to Lamentations 3 by now, but before we read it, I want you to catch the big picture. In the beginning of Lamentations 3, 
the prophet, most likely Jeremiah, although it doesn't say that in the book of Lamentations, he's, he's writing, and in the first 17 uh, verses or so, he's basically describing how terrible things have gotten, and his own sentiment was, God, I feel like you're not being the good God that I thought you were. I mean, some of us don't even want to say those things out loud. We're wondering if it's even allowed. But apparently, in the scriptures, from the mouth of a prophet, it was allowed. And in fact, it's vital to be able to acknowledge when, when we're experiencing difficulty. See, we're in the moment of a crisis right now. And this crisis has at least three deep factors to it. There's a crisis of disease. And that's real. You, you can't ignore it. There's also the crisis of the economy. That's real. You can't ignore it, but there's also a crisis of faith. I mean, for a lot of us, there just is. And what I mean by that is that there's challenge, there's difficulty around the faith in this moment. And so back to Lamentations, you've got the prophet Jeremiah writing, describing how hard things are, how difficult things are, and in a sense saying, God, I'm struggling with you about how hard things are. He's letting himself lament. That doesn't mean that, uh, that he, he's out of sorts. It's just that the reality is that sometimes lamenting is the key to not losing your faith. And so I want us to jump in at verse 18 uh, with, with all of that in mind. Let me uh, turn there now. Lamentations chapter 3 uh, and verse, uh, verse 18. This is God's word to you and me. So I say... Sorry, it, uh, it says in verse 18, so I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. Remember my affliction. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. That sounds pretty real to me. That sounds like maybe the way some of us are feeling in this moment. And, and that sense of being downcast is an important one to be able to acknowledge. And we need to allow ourselves uh, to lament and to mourn. And, and really, to lament is to be able to express and acknowledge and say so about the difficulty, the challenge, the fear, the heaviness, the burden, and the loss Lamenting is about acknowledging the loss and the pain that we've been through and that we're going through. And in a moment like this, for our faith to be intact and real, we have to be able to lament, to be able to acknowledge the pain, acknowledge the loss. We need to be able to do this. It's about mourning what we've lost. And can I just say, I mean, I'm mourning some losses. I really am. I mean, for example, right now, I'm mourning the loss of the ability to get a haircut. <laughs> I am. I'm mourning the loss of the ability to get a haircut. Come on, all my hairdressers, stylists, barber friends. Look, I'm mourning the loss of that nice low skin, mid skin uh, fade. I mean, my neglected undercut is getting neglected. It's that bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm mourning that loss. But you know, joking aside, <laughs> you weren't even sure if you should have laughed right now. Uh, it's both. But the, the loss is, is real for a lot of us, and we need to be able to acknowledge it. I mean, we've lost in this moment. 
We've experienced real loss. From, from as simple of things such as the loss of routine, the loss of the regular way we used to do things, the loss of uh, access to the gym, or loss of access to shopping the way we would like to do, the loss of the opportunity to gather with people for a big party or a concert, or especially for a lot of us for church. Um, we're mourning the loss of those things, and it's important to be able to say, ah, this stinks, right? Because it's real, the loss is real, but it goes on. I mean, we, we may be experiencing loss associated with the coronavirus itself. I mean, as of Saturday, March 28th, there have been 183 people in Riverside County that have uh, contracted coronavirus and eight deaths. I mean, so it's real, right? We, we have to be able to acknowledge the loss of a sense of normalcy, a loss of a sense of certainty, the loss of the, uh, of the sense of, of what we were used to. And to say, gosh, it hurts, man. It hurts to lose that. I'm mourning it. And for some of us, we're mourning the loss of a job, the loss of income, the loss of financial stability, the loss that we haven't even put into words yet. But you've got to. It's part of a real spirituality, as modeled by the prophet Jeremiah and so many others. It's right and good to be able to say, this is, this is what I'm lamenting, the loss of. The problem is, in, in the church, we tend not to make much of a place for lament. We kind of have this feeling like we're supposed to put a chipper uh, smile on everything all the time. But when we are experiencing grief, the healthiest thing to do is to say so. We say so. I mean, that's what I read in the scriptures. I mean, if I go back to the scriptures, verse 20 again, it said, I remember them. I, my soul is downcast within me. And I, I find myself needing to be able to say that from time to time. I gotta say so sometimes. But I, I keep reading in verse 20, and, I, and it says, I remember them, my soul is downcast within me, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. I want you to just say, yet this I call to mind. Say it. Yet this I call to mind. Yeah, Jeremiah in this moment is being... Uh, in a sense, our, our spiritual guide and teacher. He's Rabbi Jeremiah in this moment, and he is kind of showing us the fine art of real, authentic, spiritual life. And he's saying, yeah, you do. You gotta acknowledge it when there's grief and loss and pain. It's the right thing to do, but don't set up camp there for too long. Right? And he's, he's modeling for us how we are meant to deal with those moments. And he's showing us that what is needed is uh, to, in a sense, take some control of what's happening in our minds. He, he says, yet this I call to mind. Jeremiah is saying, there's got to be some intentionality around what you do with your thoughts. If you just let them, they will fester and become something like a cesspool. Or, or maybe, maybe like me, I had, I had a neighbor one time that had a swimming pool in the backyard. And one season, this was back in the last, uh, the last time of, uh, of recession, I guess they couldn't afford the pool guy or whatever, but all of a sudden their whole pool turned this nasty, slimy green. And it had this filmy, slimy coating on the top of it. And, and it looked awful. It was embarrassing to look out of the window and see that. And, and what was needed was, it just needed some, probably some muriatic acid and some chlorine, and it would have, would have been better. 
And, and in a sense, our thoughts can get to be a little bit like that pool, and the pH gets way off if we stay in the place of mourning and grief. We need to take our cue from Jeremiah on both fronts and remember the yet this I call to mind factor. We need to recognize that we have to take authority over our thoughts. So how am I going to handle it? This is what I'm going to do. I take authority over my thoughts. I'll say it again. I take authority over my thoughts. Say it one more time with me. I take authority over my thoughts. I'm going to do this. I take authority over my thoughts. And you know what? Sometimes to take authority over my own thoughts, I need to shift my perspective. You know, when the scripture talks about the bitterness and the gall, it's a bit like just being in the dirt, being completely in the dirt, surrounded by dirt, and everywhere you look, it just feels like there's nothing but dirt around you. Sometimes our circumstances feel like that. We just feel like we're just lying down in the dirt. <laughs> and there's bitterness about it. And you can't, you can't turn this dirt into, in, into something else. It's dirt. And when you're lying in the dirt, you're lying in the dirt. And you need to be able to acknowledge it, to say, gosh, this, this stinks. I feel like I'm just lying in the dirt right now. <laughs> and at the same time, the dirt I'm lying in is really only part of the perspective. There is something else. I might need to change my orientation a little bit, but if I could, <laughs> I'd recognize something. There's also some blue sky. Yeah. All right. So listen, I let myself lament and I take authority over my thoughts. And sometimes that means shifting my perspective and having the volition, the will, the strength within to decide to do it. Because what we're doing when we're thinking is we're, we're training our thoughts on something in particular. And if all we choose to put our thinking on is everything that we've lost and everything that's gone wrong, we are going to miss the blue sky. And I think that for most of us, there is still yet some blue sky. And I'm telling you today, it's time to look at it. It's time to shift your perspective and then believe for better days. This is the third key action you can engage in. I believe for better days. I believe for better days. I do. And I believe for better days because I know that when I, when I choose to believe, I'm activating something inside of me in my connection with my God. And when I choose to believe that everything's going to be terrible, I am activating a connection inside of me with my belief in, in a warped belief, in a belief that doesn't acknowledge the ultimate love of God that is unfailing and goodness of God that doesn't stop. And so there's power in believing correctly. And now's the time to set our beliefs right in the goodness of God. And this is what I read in Lamentations 3, 21. It said, yet this I call to mind, 
and therefore I have hope. So it's not just a random calling something else to mind. It's very specific what Jeremiah says. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Because of the Lord's great love. Jeremiah struggled with the difficulty of what he was going through. He struggled with the reality of how hard everything was. But he held firm to this wonderful, right revelation of who God really is. God who is unfailing in his goodness and compassion and love. And you and me, we need to do likewise. We need to come back to that place and wake up again today to the reality that God is good and to hold on to the revelation of his unfailing love. And we can say, yeah, the circumstances stink right now. This is challenging. That's difficult. But it doesn't change the nature of God. It doesn't change the reality of who he is with an unfailing love for his kids. It doesn't change the reality that he is still great in his faithfulness. Come on, say, great is thy faithfulness. Sorry, I'm, I'm yelling at you in your family room. I didn't mean to do that. I, 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 wanna, I just want to make sure that we come back to that place where we're acknowledging the faithfulness of God. Because the circumstances right now seem to suggest, see, he isn't doing what you hoped he would do. Yeah, but he is still my faithful God, and I'm going to say so. There's power in believing rightly about God. You know what, uh, uh, this past week, or maybe it was a week and a half ago, it seemed like we had a little cold snap and it was down to the 40s at night. And I remember one night in particular, just shivering in bed and um, just tossing and turning a bunch, shivering, cold. And for three hours, it felt like I was just tossing and turning in my bed at night, cold. You know what I should have done the minute I started feeling cold? I should have gotten myself up and gotten over to the thermostat and adjusted it. I didn't need to stay feeling cold like that. But you know what? What you choose to set your belief on has the capacity like the thermostat. It is able to adjust the atmosphere of what's going on inside of your spirit. And I want to encourage you today to get up and change the thermostat. You don't need to be shivering in the cold any longer. It, it is okay to move from the grief and the loss to the God I believe in you moments. And keep choosing to claim his great faithfulness. Keep choosing to trust in him. So I believe for better days. I want you to think about your own future. And as difficult or challenging as things are right now, I want you to think about a year from now, what's possible, what could be, and imagine yourself in that moment, enjoying it, seeing God's faithfulness demonstrated in real time in your life. And I want you to believe for that. And as you pray, I want you to pray, God, I'm believing for that kind of better day. I'm believing you, God, for that kind of better day. You know, the scripture reveals that God desires to honor those and reward those who trust in him, who have faith in him. And so right now, in the middle of how hard things are, choose right now to say, God, I'm believing you for better days. I think as you do that, you're going to turn something on inside of yourself but you're also going to bring joy to your God. And the, the value of it is actually increased in a moment like right now. Right. 
Because of how hard things are, it's actually more costly for you to express that believing for better days because of God's faithfulness. And it, it blesses and pleases his heart when he sees us trusting in him. So do it. Just choose right now to believe for better days. But let me keep reading Lamentations 3.21. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. You know what this calls me to do? It calls me to prophesy over my future. And if I'm thinking about how to handle it, that's the fourth key I want to share with you. I prophesy over my future. It's not just that I'm believing for better days quietly in the in innermost parts of my heart. I'm actually going to step out from those innermost parts of my heart and begin to speak out what I believe my God will do. I'm talking about prophesying over my future the way Ezekiel prophesied over dead, dry bones. And I'm talking about looking at something that looks like it could never live again and saying, yeah, but my God can do anything. And so I prophesy over my future. I prophesy over my future as it regards to finances. I prophesy over my future as it regards my children's education. I prophesy over my future as it pertains to the business that I own and run. I prophesy over my future as it pertains pertains to the dreams that feel like right now they couldn't live, but my God is able to bring dead things to life. And so I'm going to prophesy over my future. I want you to take that thought you had a couple of minutes ago when you were asked to think about believing for better days, and, and I want you, maybe not right now because the other people in your family room might think it was a little weird, but later, or maybe you could do it right now, prophesy it. Begin to say, I believe for this, and, I, and just use the, even use the phrase, I prophesy that, and then say it, and allow that to be an expression of your faith in who God is, as faithful and loving and full of faithfulness to you. You know, the, uh, this, uh, this, this past uh, week, or a couple months rather, I saw something that I got to share with you, and you know, in, in my backyard uh, a year ago, we pulled out the, the junk and put in some new planters, that kind of thing, and I put in these palm trees and agave bushes. That's all I put in. But a month ago or so, last few weeks, all of a sudden, these amazing lilies just started growing, and they're beautiful, and they're in the, the exact right locations, and, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I didn't plant those things. In fact, you know, for the last couple of years since we moved into this house, uh, we didn't have much going on in the backyard at all. And when we did have some weeds, I'd pull those suckers out. And I probably pulled the tops of those suckers out too because I didn't think there was anything going on. But this year, it happened. They just sprung up and they're so beautiful. I didn't plant them. And I don't think I have any family members or neighbors that are like secret <laughs> gardening assaulters, right? It just... Here's the reality. They were probably planted by the people who owned the house before me, and they were in the ground the whole time. And in just the right moment, they sprung up out of the ground, and you couldn't stop them. Wow. And you know what? When, when you believe for better days, and when you, when you prophesy over your own future, what you're doing is you're pouring water 
onto the bulbs, like those lily bulbs that were down in the ground. You're pouring water onto something deep within that can then grow. And I believe God wants it to grow. And so I'm challenging you to keep stepping up into the place of faith. Let me share this with you. In verse 21, again, it said, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. You know what, if you are new to this kind of an experience, gathering with believers for church, even in in an online kind of a way, the heart of our faith is this, is that God has this ultimate preference for compassion for us. And that we can trust in that ultimate preference for love and compassion toward us in every moment. But for every one of us who would say, I'm a believer, it's because we've embraced that. It it went from just being an idea we heard about to being something we build our lives on. And if this is new for you, I want to urge you to build your life on that as well on the compassion of God. And God shows the fullness of his compassion by sending his one and only son, Jesus. And Jesus took upon himself all of the guilt and shame of the sin of every single one of us. And he did that so that one day when I would finally come to my senses and cry out and say, God, would you forgive my sin? God would say, done because it was done by Jesus. The payment for your sin was done already. And so for you, if you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sin, there's never been a better moment than right now to just simply say, Jesus Christ, would you have mercy on me and forgive me? And to allow the rebirth that Jesus wants for you to take place. I mean, right here and right now, you can be born again, like this ultimate second chance for forever. And it comes through a moment where you finally say yes to Jesus. And so if that's you, if you'd say today, you know what, I've never really given my life to Jesus. I don't know where I stand with God. I don't know if I would be in heaven if I were to die right now. I want to be right with God. I want to receive the gift of salvation. I want to be able to live with that hope and love and power right here and right now. Then believe in Jesus. Give your life to Jesus today. Maybe you could just right now join me. And, and pray, and in a moment we'll do that. And while we pray, if it's you, if you're giving your life to Jesus today, I want you to just mention that in the comments or you can click on the button on the online platform that you're committing your life to Jesus today. But let's take a moment together and let's pray. And especially for those of you who just might need to do what I just described, let's do it now. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your compassion. And thank you, God, that because of your compassion, There's room for us, first and foremost, to let ourselves lament. And God, I thank you that because of your compassion, there's ultimately a future that we can believe for and even prophesy over. But God, for each one of us, that's only possible because of a right relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And so God, I'm praying right now for a spiritual awakening for some brothers and sisters who just right need, need to finally cross that line. And so Lord, I pray for an awakening right now. And if you're sitting there and you're saying, I need Jesus, I'm finally ready, then here's what you do. You, you pray with me right now and you say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Would you forgive my sin? 
and save my life. I believe that you paid the price for my sin when you died on the cross. Jesus, I believe you're alive and I'm asking you to come into my life and take charge, be my Lord, be my savior from this moment on. Jesus, I need your forgiveness, your mercy, and your power. Jesus, would you allow your spirit to fill me so that I can make it through these days with strength. I'm yours, Jesus, from this moment on. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And we all together say, Amen. One more time, if, if that was you, and for the first time you've just given your life to Jesus, or maybe you've recommitted your life to him, would you let us know? Because we want to stay in touch with you, help you grow in this, in this life of faith. And click that button, I've committed my life to Jesus, or mention it in the comments. But before we go, I, I know we all have other things to do, but one of the most important things we need to do together is to pray. And here's where I'm coming from. The scriptures say in 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's a promise I want us to not just hold on to passively, but actively lean into. So what that means is we need to do what we just read. And so we'll do that here. If you need to go and do something with your kids or whatever, you can do that. But would you stay with me if you can? And let's take a moment and let's pray together in, in light of what we heard in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for the mercy that's always available in you. But Lord, we want to enter into that mercy the way you showed us to, by turning from whatever wickedness we need to turn from, by repentance. And so here and now, God, all together, we repent. We repent, God, of sins that we know about. And for some of us, it's real. We know, there's certain things we just already know about. No one even needed to tell us. It's on our minds. We know those things that are such a departure from what we know in our hearts is good and from you. And God, right now, we, we repent. And we change our mind about that where we thought, ah, that was okay, it doesn't matter. No, we change our mind right now. And we again say, no, God, you are God and you're right. And so we repent, we turn from our sin, our wicked ways. We turn from it. As a whole nation, we turn from it. As a whole valley, we turn from it. As a whole community, we, as a whole region, we turn from our sin. And God, if we're not aware of it, would you wake us up right now to become aware of what our sin may be? Lord, if there's anything in how we're approaching life that's off base from what you've called for, God, would you forgive us? God, would you forgive our sin? And Lord, we ask that you would have mercy on our, our region, Southern California, on our nation, United States of America. God, that you would forgive our sin. Lord, forgive us for idolatry. Forgive us for putting other things first. God, forgive us for setting aside your word God, forgive us for deciding that we could just do whatever we wanted to do and that what you said didn't matter. God, forgive us. And God, I pray that you would hear from heaven like your word says. And as we repent, Lord, that you would heal our land. And so all together with one voice, in repentance and in trust in you, God, we're asking that you would bring healing to our land. We're asking right now for people who actually have uh, the coronavirus, we're asking for supernatural recovery. And we believe you for it, God. 
Lord, we pray for those in the sciences and the medical fields that are working hard to try to discover how to, how to treat this well, protocols for treatment. I pray, Father, for insight right now for how to treat well. God, we pray for protection over everybody working in hospitals right now. Lord, protection from exhaustion and protection from oversurge and protection from disease. God, we're praying the blood of Jesus over everyone in every single hospital or clinic. God, we're praying for uh, a, a cure to be discovered. And more than anything, Lord, we're praying that your mighty hand would move in such a mighty way that it would be irrefutable, that God, our God, moved and brought healing. We're asking for this, Lord, because we know nothing is impossible for you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, God, for your love. And we praise you together. We're seeking you together in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Church family, you can continue to pray in your home or wherever you are gathering, but let's make sure we are people who are tending to the fire of God's presence together and staying in those opportunities, those moments where we can pray. So dad or mom or grandpa or grandma or aunt or uncle, maybe it's your role right now to say, hold on everybody, don't leave the room quite yet because maybe you need to do more church even though the screen is gonna end pretty soon. So I bless you to keep on honoring God as you pray together. We all love you, we're praying for you, and we're expecting to see God do something amazing in our community because you're an amazing church. God bless you.